0: Hello and welcome to yet another episode of How Not to Suck at the Stocks. This is your host, Dan Hansen. and today I want to talk about Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. Uh, this book is magnificent. You need to put it, you must put it on your reading list, and if it is already on your reading list, you must put it to the top of your reading list. Uh, there is There's so much, so much in this book. Uh, I just want to cover some of the things that really jumped out to me. Uh, First and foremost, this is a book on anthropology, which is a subject I always find fascinating. And so one thing I learned from this book is I was always under the assumption that evolution was like, okay, here's a chimpanzee, and then here's, you know, Homo something else, Homo something else, Homo erectus, Neanderthal, and Homo sapiens. You know, that famous kind of, uh, that picture Of evolution. Okay. Well, it turns out not quite. As recently as 70,000 years ago, there were up to six different species of humans alive on planet Earth all at the same time. Uh, Some of those humans lived in East Africa, and some of those, uh, one species lived in Australia, uh, the Neanderthals lived in Europe, and our species, the Homo sapiens, uh, lived in East Africa. So then that begs the question, well, what happened to all these other species of humans? And according to the author, there are two separate theories. Uh, The one is that the Homo sapiens killed off all the other species, which, given our history, isn't all too uh, surprising. Uh, But the peculiar thing is Neanderthals were actually bigger and stronger than us, and they had larger cranial cavities, so they could have even been more intelligent than us. So... If they were bigger, stronger, and perhaps even smarter than us, then how come we were able to beat them? And so the author attributes it to our ability to unite under common ideology, and it has to do with language. So all humans had a language, and chimpanzees have a language. So when chimpanzees see an eagle in the sky, they'll make a sound. And when they see a lion on the ground, they'll make a slightly different sound. And scientists have tested this out, where they replay uh, the eagle sound, and all the chimpanzees look up. They replay the lion sound, all the chimpanzees look at the ground. They've even seen chimpanzees lying and tricking one another, very human trait. Uh, so, for example, uh, chimpanzee A will see chimpanzee B, and chimpanzee B has a banana, let's say. So chimpanzee A will call out, hey, there's a lion, so chimpanzee B will drop the banana and, and run off. Uh, So it shows that chimpanzees are capable of making things up. Uh, But humans take this concept of making things up to a whole nother level in the form of an ideology. And so, well, how come ideologies were able to enable us to beat uh, Neanderthals and all the other humans? Uh, Well, it has to do with we can only personally know about 150 different people we can only have a relationship with about 150 different people and so we see this in chimpanzees if, if you have a group of chimpanzees that goes over that magic number then it'll break apart like an alpha male chimpanzee just won't be able to hold together more than 150 other chimpanzees it'll break apart into warring sex warring tribes So, we assume the same thing was true of Neanderthals. So, they can only be a group of Neanderthals, can only be about 150. Homo sapiens, we don't have that limitation. So, yes, if 150 sapiens fought 150 Neanderthals, the 150 Neanderthals could win, but we wouldn't bring 150. We might bring, you know, 400 or 600 or 1,000 to the fight. So, in other words, uh, sapiens won. Uh, Not just just through sheer numbers, but through coordination of those large numbers. So I thought that was fascinating. And the concept of human beings and our different ideologies is a pervasive theme uh, throughout the book. Um, the, The second theory is that not that we killed off all the other species of humans, but that we interbred with them. And this is one I find credible too, because I think we've all met someone who looks like they have Neanderthal DNA? Uh, Greg Olson, former tight uh, tight end of the Chicago Bears, then Carolina Panthers. Currently, uh, he's an announcer, uh, commentator. Rather, uh, he has just that look of a Neanderthal. He's not ugly. He's better looking than I could ever dream to be. I just mean like he has like this you know, this huge, huge fucking brow that I always attribute to that. And maybe I'm full of shit. Maybe he has no uh, Neanderthal DNA at all. Uh, I'm just saying, but but the point of this uh, this theory that we interbred with all the different uh, all the different uh, humans, I should say, is that well, if we all come from different species of humans, so if Asians come from Homo whatever, and Africans come from Homo whatever, and Caucasians come from Homo whatever. Well, that means we're not all the same. That means we do have genetic differences. That means we actually come from different species of humans, which, as you can already tell, uh, is not exactly the most uh, politically expedient uh, theory in the world. So, okay, I thought that that was really fascinating. And just, you know, moving along, because there's so much in this book, uh, he talks about how the agricultural revolution was a big sham for human beings. And he talked about how when you were a hunter-gatherer, you know, you'd wake up, you'd go hunting and fishing, and you'd be back by noon. And, you know, you didn't have, like, floors to sweep or vacuum and, you know, like, laundry to do and things. You didn't have all the chores we have today. Uh, But people were attracted, humans were attracted to the idea of agriculture because it promised never going hungry again. You could just build all this, or not build, you could farm all this food, and uh, you'd be good to go. But the problem is, is with the agricultural revolution, our diets actually got more limited and less diverse. When you're a hunter-gatherer, you're always walking around, you're finding new animals to eat and new plants to eat. But when you're a farmer you typically have just a few different crops or just a few different animals. And so that also makes you more susceptible to things like a drought. If you're a hunter-gatherer and there's a drought, you can just move on to a new land. If you're a farmer and there's a drought, you and your entire family can starve to death. Or if a disease comes through and kills a bunch of cows, if you're a hunter-gatherer, you can just move on to a different species, a different part of the planet. But if you're a farmer and all your cows die, well, again, you and your family can starve to death. And also, it arose uh, like more disease because a lot of diseases are born from animals, and so the closer in contact you are with animals, more likely you are to get an animal-born uh, disease. And the author even suggests that the agricultural revolution could have arose, um, could have given rise to more warfare. Because if you're in a hunter-gatherer tribe and you come across another hunter-gatherer tribe and like, oh, this town ain't big enough for the two of us, uh, one of you could just kind of move on, right? And you may get hunted down, but you at least have a pretty good chance of at least some of your tribe escaping. Whereas with farmers, if, you know, if the raiders come into town, well, if you just get up and leave, well, you're, you're going to die because like all your farm, like all, all your means of food are at that farm. Okay, so you can't really leave, so you have to stand and fight, or or be subjugated. And speaking of being subjugated, so these farmers were always in fear of a drought that would kill off their family, and with good reason. So they'd always be overproducing uh, food, and so they weren't really allowed to keep this overproduction of uh, food. Instead, your uh, your lords and kings would take the over surplus as, as a tax. So it really gave rise to more of a hierarchical uh, society, a caste system. Not that you never had that before, it just uh, enabled it even further. Um, and so, yeah, so he goes into how he thinks the agricultural revolution uh, was a big sham. And, and one last thing that I found uh, really fascinating about the book is he said that human beings may actually be getting stupider. If you ever watched Idiocracy, perhaps this is not uh, the biggest surprise to you. But his rationale for why human beings could be getting stupider is because during the hunter-gatherer days, uh, you couldn't really afford to be incompetent. Like you kind of had to know how to survive, how to find food, how to stave off danger, all these different things that you had to know about. But in modern society, you can be pretty stupid, and we'll find a place for you. Like you'll get your own show on cable news, boom boom, tch, or you'll be a janitor or whatever. Like we'll, find, you're not just gonna like starve to death if you're an idiot. And so, again, this is kind of like this uncomfortable, like, eugenics uh, kind of argument. Um, but his case was that, like, during the hunter-gatherers, if you were stupid, you just wouldn't survive. So the average person, perhaps, was actually smarter uh, thousands of years ago. Um, and Man, I mean, like, there's so much to talk about. Uh, I'll probably end up doing another episode on this book, just because, like, there is more uh, that I want to get into. Uh, but, but I should end the show by saying... Um, it's not like hunter-gatherers was just, oh, my God, so much better, across the board, perfect. I mean, you had a much higher chance of dying an early violent death, for example. Uh, you, know, you didn't have modern medicine. Um, you know, there, there was all sorts of dangers and trials that a hunter-gatherer had to live with that, that we don't, but... There's also something romantic about the idea of the hunter gatherer, at least to me, and this is where I'm getting off topic from the book, and it's really my own interpretation. So if you ever feel like you're just sitting in an office and you're just like, man, like there's supposed to be more to life than this, it's like, well, you're not wrong. Like you're kind of like Neo sitting in the matrix. Like the, the life you're living now isn't the life that you have evolved over millions of years to live. Your instincts have evolved for the hunter-gatherer period, not uh, the information age, or not for trading stocks. You know, I talk about that on the show how people try to apply their hunter-gatherer instincts to, you know, a, a line chart, for example. Well, a line chart doesn't behave the same way a rabbit uh, would behave. So your instincts really do do not apply. But uh, in any case, uh, I, I cannot recommend the book enough. I flew through it. It's twelve bucks on Amazon. Even if you just buy it and it just sits on your bookshelf, it's $12. It's a beautiful book. Um, can't recommend it enough. He has two more books, uh, Homo Deus and something like 21 Lessons from the 21st Century. And you know, whenever, just as, a, as an aside, whenever I love a book, I always look to see what else has this author done. Uh, so I'm happy to see that he has these two other books that I want to dive into. So Anyway, uh, you have a great day. Couldn't recommend the book enough. Uh, That's it. Okay. Bye-bye.